Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. And if you're listening to Liberal Dan Radio at this point in time, I've been having some technical difficulties. And we'll be able to uh, just go from there. And then I'll go back and edit this out after the show's over, and nobody will know the lies here, except for those listening right now. Anyway, so let's just go ahead and find that audio first. Okay, um, this should be it. Three, two. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Welcome back to
Well, that was another uh, issue uh, with Blog Talk Radio. Um, I don't... Okay. So I'm hearing myself as I'm talking over myself. So let me go ahead and I will restart the show yet again. And we will try yet again to get a good show going. Three, two, one. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join in on the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also click Skype uh, from the uh, Blog Talk Radio page and connect directly in. Join us in the chat room. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always uh, leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc., on the show thread over at liberaldan.com. Today I'm going to be talking a little bit about the presidential debate that took place last night, and then uh, be focusing on the Louisiana elections that are coming up. Uh, We're currently in early voting, and I will later be discussing uh, one of the campaigns with a Bessie Board uh, candidate in District 2. But first, as always, I'd like to go into this week's headlines. Next year, a Texas law goes into effect that will allow a new campus carry law that will take into effect next year. Protesters to that law decided a counter-protest was in store, so they openly carried dildos around campus, and they called this Cox Not Glocks, with a hashtag. Next up will be a Flava Flav-themed protest where people walk around dressed in his style, and it will be called Clocks Not Glocks. Finally, a bunch of people will walk around campus in pointed ears, and blue Starfleet uniforms, and then it will be called Spocks, not Glocks. This week was Columbus Day, a bank holiday celebrating the man who didn't actually discover our country who wound up butchering indigenous people. God bless America. Randy Quaid was taken into custody in Vermont while trying to illegally cross the U.S. border. Perhaps Trump is right. Maybe we very well need a wall, but just the wrong border. And... I don't know. I don't know if he was actually leaving, coming out of into the country or going out of the country. At this stage of the game, I don't even know if Randy Quaid knows if he is coming or going. And in science news, scientists have found a fossil of an ancient hedgehog-like mammal. There's no news on if it was buried with a cache of gold rings. And that was this week's headlines. So, the first thing I do want to get into is the a presidential debate that took place last night. It was much more calm and, and might I say, presidential than the previous two Republican debates uh, because these people actually wind up being presidential. They actually you know, talked about their issues without being horribly nasty to each other. Imagine that. Imagine how that works. Bernie Sanders, who he was asked a question about Hillary Clinton's email scandal, and and he said that he's tired of hearing about it. A ridiculous, no, you know, obviously witch hunt of a scandal, and he'd rather talk about the important issues that the majority of Americans want to talk about and not this silly thing, which is good that Bernie Sanders said that. Um, Hillary Clinton also agreed, and they laughed, and they shook hands, and they were happy, and... um, Former Senator Webb was a little aggravated about the fact that he wasn't getting much time, even though apparently the rules of the debate allowed for the higher polling candidates to have more time. Apparently, I haven't looked over the complete set of rules as it stands. However, 
uh, I think it's reasonable that if the, the people that are doing well, you know, maybe they should get a little more time. Um, perhaps. I don't know. Um, as someone who has run for office before and, and you know, didn't get as much time as I might have liked, I could perhaps sympathize with him, but if he agreed to the rules of the debate, then you agree with the rules of the debate, and you go by them. And instead of wasting your time complaining about the fact that you don't have a lot of time, which just gives you less time to actually talk about the issues, you could just actually give a policy statement that would contrast you with the other candidates and perhaps make people go, oh, well, maybe he's right. Maybe I do need to think about this person. The people at the end, Webb and Lynn Chafee, were, I don't, they had no reason on that stage. I mean, there's no chance that they're going to get the Democratic nomination. None. It, you know, Lynn Chafee was a little too goofy. Webb, again, some of his answers were goofy. Just not... Neither of them, I don't think, has what it takes to be to, to make it in this round. And even former Governor O'Malley from Maryland, he, I mean, he did better than those other two, but I, I don't think that he necessarily was ready uh, for this, nor do I think that he is able to separate himself, you know, from the bottom of the pack and move himself up you know, to the top of the pack, you know, where where he would basically have to, in order to do that, in order for him to do that, uh, he, I mean, he he has better answers, you know, obviously better than the answer he gave about the All Lives Matter. But in order for him to, to do something that would, you know, propel him in the polls to what I would call relevance, he should have to, you know, he would have to state a, a policy of, position that would be vastly different than the two frontrunners and as such he would he would need to you know also have that resonate with democratic voters so you, don't, you can't just differentiate yourself from these candidates you have to say this is why i'm more of a match for you than these candidates and between candidates between hillary clinton and Bernie Sanders, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. I mean, they were actually kind of, Hillary Clinton was trying to, you know, make her not make that gap as wide in order to attract, you know, some people who may be leaning Sanders but who haven't decided yet. Bernie Sanders was, of course, being himself, and he was good, and, and Hillary Clinton was good as well. Of course, you know, a lot of the news agencies said that Hillary Clinton won the debate, a lot of the um, a lot of the people who did took this the focus groups they claimed that Bernie Sanders won the debate. It's really I I can't really tell. A B. I was listening to a little bit of MSNBC before I got in the air, and they had um, Senator Smith, I believe, from Ohio. Sherrod Sherrod Smith, I believe that's the thing. Um, I could be blowing it. It's, it's something in my mind telling me that there's something wrong with that. But anyway, um, he was on, and, and he basically has Sherrod Brown. That's right, Sherrod Brown. Senator Sherrod Brown. And he was basically saying, when he was asked who he, who, who he thinks he won the debate or who he's supporting. Uh, he basically said um, that who he's supporting is the person who becomes the Democratic nominee. And that's kind of where I'm at, because I can't see any possibility of myself voting for any of those clowns running for the Republican nomination. Furthermore, I also cannot see you know, myself liking any of those Republican candidates better than any of the Democratic candidates that are up there, even the ones that have no chance of winning. Uh, and if they did manage to actually pull it off, you know what? I would actually... You know, still vote for any of them over any of those Republican candidates because just if you just simply look at how presidential they were versus how presidential the Republicans are, let alone the policy differences that I have with the Republicans versus the policy similarities that I have with the Democrats, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm not really that worried about re-registering as a Democrat. 
because as if you listen to the show, uh, I, I, I pledged last March, not this past March, but the March before, that if the Democratic Party endorsed corrupt for, felon former Governor Edwin Edwards for Congress, that I would leave the party. And at the time, I thought it was a safe bet. Who in their right mind would imagine that the Louisiana Democratic Party would endorse uh, corrupt, uh, felon, unrepentant former prisoner, uh, governor, former Governor Edwin Edwards? But they did. So I followed my word, and I left the party, and I registered no party. That being said, my doing so, I mean, Louisiana, it doesn't necessarily harm me for most elections. Most elections are open primaries in Louisiana because, and, and that allows me to vote for anybody I want, regardless of what my party affiliation is. But for president, it's obviously a closed primary. So what do I want to do? Do I want to re-register as a Democrat and vote? No, because A, I have not convinced that the Louisiana Democratic Party has changed their stripes and would be less likely or unlikely to at this point endorse another former felon uh, who is unrepentant. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And B, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me who the presidential candidate is for the Democratic ticket because the most important thing to me in this election, above all else, is Supreme Court nominees. You cannot risk having a Republican in office for the next four to eight years with the age of some of these Supreme Court justices. You need to have a Democrat sitting in that seat, somebody who's going to nominate somebody who is going to be more likely to pass good rulings and, and not have somebody who's going to sit there and agree with Alito and Thomas. So anyway, that's my little bit about that. Let me go ahead. I'm going to take my first commercial break, um, taking your calls as well. Area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. This is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica RW, and Autumn S. I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from independent left, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. ROJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, from New Orleans, Louisiana. To call in the show, it's 347-838-8368. That's area code 347 Or you can uh, Skype in from the show page. Or you can ask questions in the chat room. Or you can, after the live broadcast, <coughs> leave your questions, comments, concerns, etc. over on the show thread at liberaldan.com. 
Now, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Louisiana elections as a whole um, before our guest calls in, which should happen uh, in a few minutes. Uh, let's go ahead and um, one of the things, uh, Dwayne, Dane Sherman uh, at Tweet of the South say, states, Avoiding debates shows that Vitter is a coward. The voters sense it, not helping the Diaper Dave brand at and Hackett at David Vitter at John Bell for uh, L.A. So, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I've made this argument against past politicians, and it didn't necessarily, uh, it didn't necessarily, you know, help at all, uh, claiming that the person is a coward. But I mean, it's true. If you're unwilling to debate, um, you know, then and stand up for your position, then why should we vote for you? Of course, he knows that people are going to bring up the fact that he's a whoremonger. And uh, as the other person says, diaper Dave, you know, some people might say that the diaper rumor has not been validated. But um, the people who have said, the person who said it, uh, being the one of the hookers that Vitter um, is alleged to have been with. Um, I have no reason to doubt her. Vitter lied many times. He claimed that he would never do such things. That people who and he said that people who serve in office who are caught having affairs should resign their positions. Yet he's not only not resigning, but he continues to run. So if he can't even go back on his, you know, his statement of his personal set of values, then why should I believe? Anything he has to say. Now, Democrats in the state are being a little goo-goo, a little, a little cuckoo about the idea that um, John Bell Edwards can win. I mean, of course he can win, but I don't know if he will win. Uh, he currently has uh, he currently has a lead. Um, However, there's two problems with the lead. A, he's the only real Democrat, you know, popular Democrat in the race. There are three Republicans who are vying over that, you know, over one of the other spots in the runoff. And so it's likely that, you know, those people, you know, who don't win, you know, if, if, let's say if Vitter manages to win, Scott Angel and Jay Darden, or as the phone poll that called me tonight said, Dardine, uh, as as their votes go away, I don't think that many of the Darden and Angel votes are going to go towards Edwards. I just can't see that happening. Edwards is winning 32 to 24%, with 37% undecided. That's the other problem. I don't see the other the, much of that 37% going for John Bell Edwards. What are they deciding on? Are they, hmm, am I going to come for John Bell Edwards and not vote? Or are they trying to decide which Republican they're going to pick? So you'll forgive me for not being an optimist over the idea that Edwards uh, could manage to win. You know, it's possible that when these, Repub when these undecided split, that they could go to a combination of Vitter and Darden or Vitter and Angel, and those two could make the runoff. Or it's possible that they could all go to Vitter. And Vitter would just win outright in the first. It's a possibility that that could happen. So I think that people are, are a little bit, little bit counting their chickens uh, before they before they hatch. Uh, there's another poll that says um, if it's between Jean Bell, Jean Bell Edwards and David Vitter in a runoff, that of those respondents, that they would vote for da for David Vitter 33 percent and John Bell Edwards 52%, which would give him the lead and would give him the win, but A, those are based on numbers of what people likely to vote in the primary, not, not in the runoff, and you would see a drop in turnoff, um, and if and according to the pollster, they said it would pull Edwards below the 50% mark if those people don't come out in the primary. I really don't see any chance... Um, of Edwards winning this race. I'm, I voted for him. Absolutely, I voted for him. But I do not see a chance of Edwards winning this race. Um, other races, oh, the other thing I want to talk about is 
the the Times Picayune, which which was the the major newspaper in New Orleans, uh, these idiots. Um, I'm just going to read their endorsement at the, the last set, last paragraph of the, of the endorsement. Uh, well, let's start with the last two paragraphs, because the first paragraph is right. Louisiana governorship it is an inherently powerful position. That's all the more reason why in the leadership vacuum we have suffered under the current governor is such a waste, i.e., Jindal has sucked. Right, he has sucked. Senator, I mean, second, their second paragraph, the last paragraph is, Senator Vitter's highest ambition is to lead us to lead this state as its governor. He promises to be devoted to that job, to work hard, and to be reachable. We take him at his word, and we believe that he has the ideas, experience, and the skills to help Louisiana thrive. Really? He's going to continuously fight with this president and with the Democratic president who runs. He's going to do nothing for this state. And he's going to probably hope that in four to eight years, if he can be a governor, uh, and and get past this prostitution thing that maybe he run for president because he wants to run for president. That's the idea that his highest ambition is governor is bull. It's literal bull or figurative, I guess, bull. But it, it's crap. The idea that that the Times Picayune would take him at his word shows that the Times Picayune editorial staff is a bunch of gullible a holes. That's just, I can only put it that way. That they would take him at his word means that they are that they are just, um, just gullible, absolutely gullible. Um, anyway, so let's see, do we have? I'm not on the screen yet. Our caller hasn't called in yet. Let, let's let's talk about some of the other races. You have. You know, I tweeted earlier today or right before the show that if you're running for if you run for your for office includes the phrase I stood up to Barack Obama, you've lost my vote. Not that you likely had my vote to begin with, if that's the type of person that you are, because you likely have other positions that I'll disagree with. But you've lost my vote in that case if you're going to say I stood up to Barack Obama. No. You know, you you. Ooh, in Louisiana, you stood up to the to the black president. Good for you. No, so I'm not voting for you if you if you if you think standing up to President Obama has done this state any bit of good. And I happen to know uh, have friends who know people who know one of the other candidates in that race, and you know perhaps he might be okay, but no, I mean he he stood up to Obama, so you've lost my vote. Um, you have lots of other races that are going on in, in this election right now, some constitutional amendments. Um, I would like to go into a little bit more detail of them. Um, but the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go into a commercial break, uh, anticipating that um, our guest should be in shortly. Um, so let's go to the news block. I will come back in a few minutes. And take your calls, 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Band Radio. Talk to the left at the front. of Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. On Wednesday, there were more than 150 actions in cities and communities across America urging a strong climate agenda at the upcoming Paris Talks on Climate Change Action. The People's Climate Movement Day of Action brought people together to demand bold action on climate change. SEIU President Mary Kay Henry says her union is in solidarity with this movement because environmental justice on climate change, she says, is part of the overall struggle against unjust corporate agendas. 
For us, these fights are inextricably linked. We can't have a fight with billionaire CEOs like McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King without understanding that their decision to pay poverty wages is completely linked to the fossil fuels industry decision to continue to contaminate our communities. And we are going to create the powerful force for change by uniting the labor movement, the climate justice movement, the immigrant justice movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, and any fight for justice in this country. Walter Energy miners and supporters rallied Wednesday in Brookwood, Alabama in a fight against the cutoff of benefits. United Mine Workers of America Secretary-Treasurer Dan Kane says legislation in Congress would protect minor pension benefits and significant numbers from both parties are supporting the legislation. Kane says the UMWA will stay in the fight to protect miners, their widows and families from having these benefits cut when companies use bankruptcy laws to try to evade their obligations to widows, sick and injured workers, and retirees. Any of these companies feel that they can walk away from the union by declaring bankruptcy and sell things off in pieces. Those are our jobs, and we're not walking away from them. With 700 jobs at stake, the Teamsters are urging Safeway to keep good jobs in Maryland. Safeway says it'll start closing Upper Marlboro and Landover, Maryland grocery distribution facilities 19 days before Christmas. Teamsters President Jim Hoffa told the new CEO controlling Safeway that he believes there are unexplored options that could provide alternatives to closing the facilities. Cerberus Capital bought Safeway and merged it with Albertsons this year. Safeway built the $91 million state-of-the-art Upper Marlboro distribution center in 1998, getting $2 million from Maryland taxpayers. Over the last 15 years... Safeway also got more than $7 million in concessions from workers to lower costs so they could stay in business. Workers' independent news is heard daily on The Rick Smith Show, live 3 to 6 p.m. coast-to-coast at thericksmithshow.com. The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. Let's get America working. We must build, maintain, and repair our nation's crumbling infrastructure. Teamsters support a bipartisan approach to creating good jobs for American workers. Learn more at letsgetamericaworking.com. Teamsters strong, America stronger. You've been listening to WIN, Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, calling from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can click the Skype button and connect that way. Or you can uh, leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the show thread after the show at liberaldan.com. So, um, we've got... Uh, more election information uh, in Louisiana taking place this year. Uh, I'm not going to discuss every single candidate in every single race because you know some of them I don't know that much about them. Uh, but you know, and the the attorney general race is interesting. If James Caldwell, who was a Democrat who flips a Republican and then became horrible, um, he might have been horrible to begin with, but he. When, it's, when he switched parties, he just became full-on, I need to prove that I'm a, I'm a Republican, so I'm going to do the worst things I could possibly do. And he's been serving. He's, you know, fought gay marriage rulings, Obamacare. He's he's typical somebody who I'm not going to support. Uh, the other guy who you see a lot of commercials on is Jeff Landry. Uh, he's a former congressman uh, before he, uh, before Louisiana lost a district. Um, he was basically districted out, and then he was unable to win re-election. Uh, he went ahead and is now he's an attorney, and he's running for attorney general um, to quote protect our freedoms, our families, and the rule of law. And if there's anybody who would want to see least in or less in this in this slot than uh, his competitor Caldwell is Jeff Landry. So if given a choice in the runoff between those two, I would absolutely vote for Caldwell over Landry. But I voted for Jerry Broussard Baloney. Now, unfortunate last name, but I won't hold it against her. Um, She, you know, one of the things that she supported, um, she's one of the two Democrats in the race. She's doing a little better than the other one. 
And one of the things that she's talked about is you know, trying to you know give education and, and aid to individuals who are arrested on like drug offenses, and not trying to um, not trying to just punish everybody and throw them in jail. It's good. It's admirable. And there's another guy in the race, Marty Malley. I've seen his commercials. He's pretty much self-funding this election. Um, he's a prosecutor and civil trial attorney. Um, Four-point plan, which means being hard on hardened criminals by ensuring violent and repeated offenders are giving the maximum allowable sentence and utilizing habitual offender law when applicable and warranted, fighting for victims' rights by being committed to helping every victim uh, and find hope, healing, and justice, promoting early intervention efforts with community leaders and always being pro-life, pro-gun, and pro-Louisiana, but protecting the rights of the unborn child. So even though abortion is illegal in this country, he is going to be fighting for the child. So no, I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to be uh, supporting him. But one of the things I have a problem with, and I've asked on Freegal, uh, Nikki Papasogakis was on the show before, uh, talking about when Freegal launched. And one of the things that I've talked to her about, or not talked to her about, that, talk, that I've talked about, oh, let me just shut up. You can go to Freegal. Freegal has a bunch of these candidates and a bunch of the information on there. And you also have the opportunity to create questions and select issues and discuss things with these candidates. Uh, so I would hi- highly re- some of these candidates have actually committed to go into those sites and putting up information there. Um, it's a good tool. Utilize it. Uh, but anyway, so Marty Malley has this commercial where he seems to be attacking people, you know, who are criminal defense attorneys. He, he, he points out the fact that he was a prosecutor and you know, it's, it's, it's those types of people that make me question, you know, do you really respect or honor our judicial system? Uh, because there's, there should be nothing wrong with being a criminal defense attorney. In fact, the criminal defense attorneys are the backbone of our system. When I, when we're having a New Orleans City Council election over here, and one of the persons that was running uh, was a former cr- criminal defense attorney, uh, and the other person was attacking him for it, and I went off. I started attacking her on Twitter, uh, saying, how dare she uh, criticize somebody for doing something that's such a vital part of our justice system. Uh, our justice system wouldn't work if we didn't have criminal defense attorneys. Criminal defense attorneys are needed. Uh, and, in fact, her dad was one. So, no. Her dad, I forget. Anyway. She has family who was also a criminal defense attorney. But to criticize somebody for being such a vital cause of an NRS system is just absurd and bizarre. And he seems like the type of person, from what he's said, uh, to also oppose such people and be not helpful in the whole idea that we need to have two sides uh, on, on the legal side, the side prosecuting and the side defending, and both of them have important and vital things to do in this area, and people should not be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm made to think of the My Cousin Vinny, where the prosecutor was talking about how he couldn't sleep with himself because he couldn't, he was helping guilty people go free. And so he became a prosecutor, and he felt better ever since. Well, I guess it's a comedy, so I shouldn't be taking it that seriously. And I don't. It's a good movie. I watch it all the time. But the, if, if he was... Your, your idea is not that you're trying to get guilty people off. It's not what a criminal defense attorney wants to do. A criminal defense attorney's job is you know, to give a, a defense, obviously, to, to show facts that could clear uh, the person's name, and also to make sure that the prosecution does its job correctly and fairly and doesn't seek to steamroll over people and violate the rules of the court. You need to have a defense attorney who's going to stop there and be a check on the prosecution. And if you don't have that, guess what? You have a broken system. And we already do have a broken system, so I guess you would have an even more broken system. So what other elections are there? Yeah, the treasurer 
Treasurer is not that. I mean, you have Jennifer Treadway, who's a Republican. You have John Kennedy, who's a former Democrat that became a Republican. Uh, but John Kennedy, in, in the grand scheme of things, is doing a good job. I can't. I don't agree with everything that he says, but I, I can't. Dis, I, I don't believe that he's doing a bad job. Um, hasn't done anything that, you know, warrants being ousted. So I'm. I'm. We'll go ahead and continue, and I'll vote again for John Kennedy, even though. I'm annoyed at the fact that he did his pro party switch, but the, the option is that or not vote in that election. So I'll vote in that election. Commissioner of Forestry and or Agriculture and Forestry. Um, not an exciting race, so we can skip over it. You can you can learn about it if you want. Um, Donald Hodge is somebody who I've supported for uh, previous previously. Uh, he is running a for. Commissioner of Insurance, so I'm supporting him over Jim Donilon. Uh, again, Donilon has said some horribly incorrect things when it comes to Obamacare and fighting it and using this position, again, to fight uh, a good system a good, or a better system than what we had. So, no, I'm not going to be um, supporting, uh, supporting him. We have uh, Leslie Ellison. Uh, Jeff Arnold, Troy Carter, and Roy Glapion all running for a set of state, my state Senate seat, District 7. Mine, as if I was previously sitting in it. The one that I've represented by. Um, I don't have a problem with Jeff Arnold, um, but, you know, Leslie Ellison is somebody who's been on the show. A friend of the, she's a friend of the show. She is somebody who I, who has done, she's currently sitting on the Orleans Parish School Board, and she has been very helpful to us, uh, to uh, with what she's been able to do uh, for us, specifically with our issues dealing with uh, the charter schools, and she was she was vociferously against the uh, the proposition that I've talked about on the show previously, where um, money would get sent to charter schools and they wouldn't have much. There was not much oversight over when they get sent, and it's not it's. You know, there's better way. There are better ways to manage uh, the infrastructure spending uh, on schools than just handing the money out to the charter school. So she stood up against that, and she actually had the nut, the guts, the guts to stand up to um, the current, the person who was the incumbent, Heitmeyer. At the time, he was running for re-election. Heitmeyer was stopped, decided to not run for re-election. Which point, everybody else jumped in the race, but Ellison was already there. So she has the courage to do that and stand up for that. So I, I appreciate it as well. Um, so I'm I'm voting for Elizabeth. And if it comes out that it's not Elephant in the runoff and it's Arnold, I will vote for Arnold. But um, then you have six candidates running for uh, state representative District 102. I hope to have Kenny Garrett on the show. Uh, he is somebody with whom I've worked with before, I've talked to before. His heart's in the right place. Um, I, th- I think he would be a good representative, so I'm voting for uh, Kenny Garrett in that, in that election as well. Um, of course, the Bessie race, which is uh, supposed to have a, she was uh, Kara Washington, uh, candidate for the District Two Bessie. Um, let's see. Hi, this is. Uh, sent her a message. The event that she's at has gone over time. I hope she can call in as well. Uh, check her page for updates, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm waiting on her campaign manager to call me back. Uh, okay, so so she is running over time. That's what I assumed happened. Um, just sending her a message real quick about that. Happy to... One of my Facebook friends, a uh, person who who actually introduced me to uh, Miss Washington. I was voting for Miss Washington anyway um, because of the fact that um, you know she was going up against Kira Jones. Kira Jones, Kira Orange Jones, is somebody um, is somebody who is very much. Um, very much in support of vouchers and, and school, school choice. That's not um, 
and not somebody who is going to be standing up for the kids that I feel are being underserved and not served by the people, um, by, by these, the system that New Orleans, Orleans, Orleans Parish has currently. Sorry, I'm just trying to give um, the person my phone number to call in who you know, is, I guess, helping with the page. Um, anyway, so... So anyway, um, we can wait a few seconds, I guess, for uh, for her to call in, uh, and we can have uh, Kara on at another time to to discuss her campaign specifically. But um, different Nikki, uh, Nikki Radicalone, uh, she is you know somebody who is also very passionate about these issues uh, of. Uh, this school systems and what's going on with the education, uh, especially you know in in this state, and how you know we we need to move away from what we're doing and not embrace it. Um, so <clears throat> okay, so that's pretty much all the other elections that are taking place. Um, as I'm waiting for her to call in, uh, Diane Ravitch's blog. Um, there's an article, Mercedes Schneider, More Holes in the Louisiana Charter Myth. Uh, Mercedes Schneider reviews a study of charter school performance in on NAEP. Um, Schneider writes, one of the primary problems with Louisiana state-run all-charter recovery school district is that the same state that is in control of the data is also committed to representing its state-run district in the best light. Uh, for this reason, independent analysis on the data of Louisiana schools is particularly valuable, especially when the researchers are able to pr procure data independently of the LDOE. So there you have it. Right now, here is uh, Nikki on the phone. Hello, Nikki. How are you today? Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm very happy to have you on. You know, I said before uh, before you called in that we are Facebook friends, and, and you introduced me to um, the page of Ms. Washington, who was running for uh, Bessie District 2, and I was already, before you even introduced me to that, I was already going to you know, be voting for the person who was running against Kira uh, mm -hmm. Orange-Jones, uh, just because of the fact that I, I had a conversation with her prior to the previous election. Um, I was standing out on a corner. Um, I forget what I was doing. I think I was sign-waving for um, a, a candidate for governor. I think it was for uh, Nikki Papadakis. Uh, she was mm -hmm. running governor that time and I was standing on the corner sign waving for her and Kira Orange Jones was on there. We were having a discussion and uh, I disagreed with her on some points but she, you know, from what she said to me then and from what I've seen now in the last four years was a complete misrepresentation in her words to me and, and how she is, you know, you know, basically representing, she is representing a cause that is failing our, our children, failing my children in schools, you know, because I have one child in kindergarten, another child that was coming in soon, and many other children who are, um, mm -hmm. in, especially in depressed communities, that are disproportionately harmed by the, the policies that I see. Um, so, and unfortunately, Ms. Washington was is in the middle of a, a forum that ran too long, and that happens. I understand that. So we'll have, we'll have her on another time, maybe next week, to discuss uh, the issues. But I do want you to, you know what, you know, I know you have similar uh, similar problems with the whole system and with uh, with what's going on. So, I just wanted to give you some time to just you know, share some of your issues that you have that in this Bessie race, and maybe why you've gotten involved uh, with the um, the ability, the, the effort to elect Kara Washington uh, to Bessie District Two. Okay. So, hi, how you doing? I'm um, Napoleon, and um, actually, right after Hurricane Katrina. You know, my family and I, you know, returned. And one of the issues is that we had was that we came back or we returned to a schizophrenic school district. Of course, you know, um, we, my family and I lost, you know, everything. So coming back to the school district, there was no cohesiveness. And I'm a mother of three. And one of the most uh, difficult uh, issues um, for me is that I have, you know, having three children, and all who have, like, just various uh, learning skills or, uh, you know, learning disabilities. I have one son who was me, and so he's my oldest. 
and he's always had, you know, issues academically. You know, he's you know that dyslexic, and one of the things that has always kept him in school was music because he's always he's always been been a struggler. Well, you know, just trying to navigate and try, you know get him him in school and other two kids in school, we found that just applying to charter schools is that that was an issue with getting him in school. Um, they look, oh, he has a 504. Yes, he does. Oh, but he needs an IEP. Oh, we can't accept him. And so constantly we had the door closed in our face, you know, and this is, like I said, a year, two years right after Hurricane Katrina. And so it was, you know, very, you know, hard because you're looking at this child who you know who needs this extra, you know, help or extra academic assistance, and we're coming back into a school district that's saying now, you know, we no longer welcome your child. You know, we're going to choose the creme of the creme. We're going to cherry pick children. And so that's what we returned to. And so I began to advocate, especially, you know, for him, you know, because we had those issues. And once you know, I was able to get all of them back to the same school that they attended, which was Martin Luther King and the Lower Ninth Ward. Um, and he, they only stayed there for a while because I was familiar with the school and just familiar with the teachers. But I found that, you know, because it went chartered, everything changed. Um, they no longer had those services, those wraparound services that he needed. And so, right. of course, you know, once again, we're on a hunt for different schools. Once again, we're going through that process again. Okay, we're going to accept the oldest one and the youngest one because, you know, their grades are pretty good. They're, they're doing okay. You know, him, no, we, we're not going to accept him. And over and over again, you know, we're saying that, okay, we have this, this, this big charter model, and this charter model is accepting of every child. Now, we're going to ensure that all children have a successful academic uh you know, year from kindergarten through 12th grade, and it hasn't occurred after Hurricane Katrina. Um, we see right now that, you know, when you look at the uh, recovery school district, which I call the real sorry school district, you know, parents <laughs> are just having a, a hard time basically trying to uh, not only navigate the, the, the system, but, you know, we have a curriculum that is not even strong or sound. Right now we have Common Core, which is very problematic because you have the teachers who are not astute in the curriculum, and so therefore they don't understand, you know, how do I teach these standards to the young people who are already, some of them who are already two grades behind, some of them who are who live in poverty, and so therefore they're the ones who need that extra push. They're the ones who need that extra academic cuddling because they're not getting it from home because, there has been a generation upon generation of illiteracy or education gap. And so with charter schools, you know, uh, across the nation we're saying, okay, we're going to close that gap. We're going to make certain that we go beyond no child left behind. We're going to make certain that all children have access and our choice, you know, to top-performing schools. And I can honestly say that's not true in Orleans Parish. You know, right. we live in right, we live very close to, Ben Franklin, but of course, my children passed up Ben Franklin, which is an A school and had all of these top dollar you know resources. But because it's a charter and because it's a magnet school, no, they can't go there. So that means I'm driving them to a D or F school. Now, when I say I'm driving them, listen to this: Why am I driving my children to you know far? Because I don't want them to be on a bus five thirty in the morning. Right. You know, waking them up 4.30 to make certain, okay, I'm cooking breakfast, you know, I'm married, my husband, we're getting them up. We didn't want to do that. So, of course, we took turns bringing our children to school. And that's what we did for a very long time. And now I have my oldest two who, who who's in college. You know, I have my youngest son. You know, I'll, he's in the 11th grade. And I find that now, you know, with the schools, you know, how the great disparities are. Um, right now, my son is attending McMain, and I can be honest to say that the schools are better than charters, but what they're doing now is starving these schools, and so they're paralyzing the academic attainment of all of the children there. So when you look at McMain, right at McMain, there's a uh, Lusher down the street. Lusher, which didn't receive any water, it was once um, Fulcher High School. When they came in, they had Lusher, took over Lusher, you know, the name, 
Right. You know, now they have like all, you know, great football field, you know, all these new windows. You know, we, they made certain that all of their bathrooms were, you know, up to date and up to par. When you go into that school, you're like, wow. You go into McMaine, it's, okay, toilets are backing up. You know, students are, you know, don't have uh, resources. You know, my son has had a biology class last year, and I can be honest and say I was very disappointed here. Okay, we don't have resources to buy a frog so you can dissect. We don't have resources to buy, you know, a worm, you know. And that's the type of things that we're, you know, getting constantly when we're here, not only from McMaine, but from the charter schools. And like I said before, you have these great disparities. And it's now it's like how do we – uh, actually break these barriers now that we have all of these standards in place and now that we have implemented Common Core, now that we have implemented all of this great charter model, now that we have all of this propaganda and data that's floating all across the world saying, oh, New Orleans is a great model, but yet and still people don't understand on the back end what's going on. Okay, yes, these students are getting into college, but are they staying there? And that answer is no. And I can honestly say that because I know for a fact, I graduated from the University at New Orleans. We have students who are flunking out of all of these top-notch schools, and now they're coming to, back home to, to attend Delgado or back home to attend Southern, you know, because they cannot maintain. Many of them who left, you know, New Orleans and left education system with only a basic eighth-grade education, that's traumatic to me. Because we are supposed to be building our children, especially because, you know, we are, we, we're looking at a global tech, technological uh, system now. So that means we're advancing daily. And if we're advancing daily, we should have some type of STEM program, you know, in our schools to make certain that we're building those students, and that's not happening. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and one of the problems with these, with these charter schools, one of the things I was talking about, uh, there was an amendment that went in to uh, deal with funding of infrastructure, and it would send the money directly to these charter schools. And before, when you had OPSB, I mean, OPSB wasn't perfect. And for those listening who don't know, it's Orleans Parish School Board. Uh, not perfect, but at least you had one entity that you could you could look at and you could uh, look at their books and audit. How are we going to audit all of these little boards that run every single one of these schools? I mean, I, I, I had a... I had, Back when my son, you know, my son has an IEP uh, for speech, and he was required to get speech services. Um, and we took him, you know, we thought we were going to get a, a, one of the best schools that we could find of him. Supposedly it was going to be a new one, but we had to travel from Algiers all the way to St. Claude uh, just to bring him there every morning and pick him up every afternoon. Um, and they never even followed through with their promises, and you couldn't get them to, you know, to back it up. There's nobody to force them to, to do what they promised that they were going to do. Um, we were fortunate enough to the next year to get him into um, a, a better one of the better schools. But again, we had to, we had to jump through all the hoops, and we had the resources to jump through all the hoops. So for me, you know, it was it was, we, it was fine that we were able to do that. But I imagine all of the parents, you know, you have these, you know, maybe parents who can't get off work to to go do these things and to to jump through the hoops and to make sure that the the kids, you know, are you know being prepared for um, whatever they need to do to be in that school. And then it turns out that, you know, so the kid misses out on an opportunity to get to an A school and then has to go to a suffering school. And if that school closes because the charter school is failing and they lose their charter, then the kid has to go to another school. And jumping from school to school to school cannot possibly be the best way to educate our children. Yes, exactly. And that's, you know, that my daughter, actually my daughter is um, a freshman and she's, you know, attending Delgado at the time. And I would be honest to say that my daughter graduated from a, a charter school, and she graduated number three, had, you know, a great ACT score, 24. Okay, everyone thinks, okay, that's great. She goes off to college, and I am not embarrassed to say this. Um, she, uh, you know, had various scholarships. But when she went off to college and my daughter was struggling, just saying, Mom, you know, calling me home and just calling, you know, my husband and saying, y'all, I'm just, I'm just, I don't understand the words. You know, we have, we didn't have this. You know, things such as simple as, like, learning the MLA and APA format. I graduated from McDonald's 35 in 1992. So I knew those standards, and I knew uh, that before I graduated. However, she went into a system, you know, a college system, 
and just was, you know, was frustrated because she knew. She was like, Mom, I can be honest and say I was not prepared. She said, you know, just having so many different math teachers because the Teach for America teachers were coming in and, you know, you have a constant change of teachers over and over again. Same thing with English teachers. They were not staying. And so there was always this instability, this rocky instability all the time. And, you know, of course, you know, like I said, all across America, and especially in Louisiana, we hear John White discussing how great the ACT scores are, you know, and especially he likes, he loved to use, uh, you know, I always call it the minority card. Yes, our minority students are, are graduating like five times the rate that they did before Hurricane Katrina. Our minority students have great ACT scores. Yeah, the Af- we're graduating more, you know, African-American men. And I'm like, okay, okay, all of this is fine. But yet the African-American population, we have the 52% unemployment rate of African-American uh, men. Our crime in the black community, especially among black men, have increased. And so when you look at those schools, and, of course, I, I, I do conduct HIV testing in the youth jail and sometimes uh, in Orleans Parish Prison uh, with various programs. And when I ask these students, okay, like what schools have, you know, you graduated from? And these are students who have committed murders, robberies, done drugs, I mean, you name it. It's always the charter schools. You know, and you're talking to them, and these students can barely understand or just decipher just basic English information. So when we're constantly saying that, yes, you know, things are going great, that's not true. And when we look at the crime rate, the crime rate was once it was settled. You know, of course, we say, okay, in each location, in the Lower Ninth War. Now you're seeing it proliferating and just going out of control. That's because we have an uneducated populace that we are failing to build. And if we have an uneducated populace, of course we cannot build our economic system here. Right. So yeah, absolutely. So um again, it was it's almost time for the end of the show. I have some wiggle room and when we can end it. So um something I wanted to ask Miss Washington that maybe you know the answer to. Um the uh it says elect Kara quote Apple Washington. Was she was that a nickname that she had prior to entering the race or was she just being cute? Yeah, no, no, that that wasn't a uh, name that she had before the storm. <laughs> so of course her name and Kira Orange Jones' name is very close. Right. Um, you know, you have Kira Orange Jones and, yeah. and Kyra Washington. So people were confused as who to vote for. And so we realized when we were going out canvassing that uh, people were saying, "Wait, wait, wait! I thought that that was uh, the one we were supposed to vote for." She's, you know, isn't she the one that you know helping out the children? She didn't close the schools. And we said, "No, no, no! Kira right. is the one who has all the big interest dollars. She's funded by all of these various." Corporations, the Walton Foundation. She's the individual who has sided with Gender on Common Core. She's the individual that has closed various schools. She's the individual that has basically said our schools are functioning properly and have been serving our special needs children. Of course, like I said, I'm a parent, you know, who had a student with disability. No, they haven't because my child wasn't serviced properly. He didn't receive the necessary services that he needed. And so we have to let people know, like, how can we differentiate between those two names? And I was like, okay, like, we'll play on words. Okay, let's say Kyra Apple. So we know if you're going to vote, if you look for the orange, Squash the orange. Don't vote for that because that's bad. And what do you do? You give. And like you said, we we, we thought that was so cute when she showed up. Like, oh, oh. He said, guess what? He said your friend gave me such a, a good message. You know, you give a teacher an apple. I'm like, oh yes. See, that's it. That's it. And so we know that teachers, you know, are important in our communities. You know, because they're the very people who spend. Uh, you know, a great amount of time with our children. So, of course, they have to be skilled, you know, have the accurate knowledge. And we cannot have someone who has a degree in ballet, you know, teaching English. And that's what that's exactly what has been going on in our school system. My daughter had a teacher who uh, graduated with a degree in art, but yet she was teaching math and didn't understand the fundamentals of math. Right. But she was, she, but she was able to teach an algebra class. And so... What they're doing with these Teach for America program is basically placing these uh, teachers through what they call like a fast track three to two week program, and they say, okay, well now you know you you're able to go into the classroom. Well, that's a problem because you know, say for instance, if my child needs to have you know a major surgery, 
will you, do you think that I, as a mother, will put my hello? Oh, it seems that we lost uh, we lost Nikki. Um, I'll just message her real quick and say uh, that it seems like you dropped off. Um, anyway, so uh, we got the basically we got the point there is that okay here here she's back. Hey, we lost you for a second, but I guess yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Oh, no problem. I'll just continue the point. Okay, so what I was saying is that if my child needed, you know, to have surgery, I wouldn't, you know, choose a surgeon who has gone through a three-week fast-track program and say, no, okay, now I'm going to operate on your child. No, I want to make certain that this, you know, surgeon has gone through all of the programs that he needs to in order to properly, you know, uh, deal with my child and understand, okay, you know, well, this we we have to, you know, cut so far here. You don't know if we cut here, we may, you know, get, you know, to the heart, we have, you know, we, I mean, just those little, better, very little things that we need. And the, the the teachers that are now who are coming into uh, our schools across the nation, not just in New Orleans, because this model is, you know, is, is a wave across all of uh, America now, that they don't understand just basic pedagogy. They don't understand educational psychology. And so there's this vast disconnect in our school where there's lack of classroom management. And so that's why you have the constant turnover in teachers. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not, again, not having consistent teachers who can know their subject matters as they can. It's not the way to handle the school. So anyway, I do want to thank you for calling in. I'm going to have to end the show now, but um, I appreciate it. I will con- be in contact with the campaign and see if she can maybe come on next week uh, if that's possible. Otherwise, you know, I already did, I already cast my vote. Uh, I voted early, and I voted for Ms. Washington. I, anybody who's listening in the area, I encourage you to, to do the same. Because, again, as I said before, uh, if you like a teacher, you give the teacher an apple, not an orange. So thank you very much for calling, and I appreciate you And doing thank you, it. and I appreciate you for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, you have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So that is uh, – that was Nikki. She helps is helping uh, Kara Apple Washington uh, for Bessie District 2. And if you go to the show page, you can see a link to the Facebook page uh, to find out more information and to ask questions. And I hope you get up there and support Miss Washington because it seems like she has, uh, she does have the children in, uh, in mind. And that, that's who I voted for, uh, and I'm glad I did it. Anyway, that is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. Uh, I'll be back next week, 8 p.m. Central, on Blog Talk Radio. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Liberal Dan Radio, Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan as well. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. <laughs>